All right, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. Well, this week's Torah portion doesn't start out in a very uh, love your neighbor fashion. Um, it starts off with um, pretty, maybe the first real, real, I guess the first one was Cain and Abel. Here you have Asav. Uh, word is out that he has an army of 400 men out to kill his brother Yaakov. Pretty intense. And obviously, Asav understood that Yaakov was a force to reckon with. Otherwise, he wouldn't have needed 400 people. Usually, you know, I never was involved with Providence. There's all kinds of, uh, you know, mafia stuff. I don't think you usually get 400 people to carry out a mission. You probably get one hitman. Maybe two hitmen, maybe three, 400 men. So obviously, this was not going to be a simple endeavor, and it wasn't, because Yaakov, at this point, had 11, 11 uh, sons. He had a whole entourage, and uh, it was not going to be something simple. So it says that Yaakov got wind of this and he knew it was that the encounter was going to be inevitable. And once he accepted that reality, Rashi famously says that he did three things to prepare. And we learn a lot from the story about how to deal with adversity. I mean, thank God most of us don't deal with someone who wants to kill us, but uh, all of us deal with adversity. And how do you deal with adversity? We learn from Yaakov. So what does Yaakov do? In this order, it says that he gave presents, which basically is the idea of trying to make some sort of, to make the person happy. Try. That's the first, the first thing is somehow can we work things out? That's the first thing he did. So he gave presents. The next thing he did, he, was, he prepared for war. He actually prepared for war. And third, he prayed. And we learned from here the order and the proper attitude how to deal with adversity. First, see, is there anything you can do to, you know, dispel the situation? Sometimes it's not possible. Or you at least have to be ready that the inevitable uh, bad situation may happen. And once you've done everything you can do, then you pray. And that's really important to know, because sometimes a person says, hey, you know what? I believe in God. God's supposed to take care. Where's God? And the way God runs the world is typically um, he expects us to do our best. And as they say, God, you do your best and then let God do the rest. But if you don't do your best, then it's not reasonable at that point to go to God and say, hey, God, where are you? You know, there's the famous story with uh, the person who, um, you know, uh, he fell off a cliff and he uh, was stuck on the side of uh, the mountain dangling by his, you know, the seat of his pants or something. And, and, and a helicopter came and he tells the helicopter, no, I'm going to be fine. God's, God's got me. 
and then and the helicopter goes away and he keeps getting all these helpers and he keeps saying no god's going to help me and then unfortunately he ends up dying he goes to heaven he says god i trusted you're going to help me and god says no, i sent you the helicopter i sent you the rescue squad that was me and that it's a little bit of a comical story but it's a truly that is the way god runs the world so the God runs the world is that he gives us resources and talents and he expects us to use them to the nth degree. But and at that point, we say, God, I've done mine. Now I trust that you can make the magic happen because I don't know how it's going to happen. And that's what we learned from Yaakov. He didn't pray first. First, he tried reconciling. Then he prepared for war. And then he said, look, now it's up to God. And if one has this attitude, it actually leads to a very, it could lead to a lot of serenity. Because a lot of times we get stressed out because we feel we're in control. And what can I do? What can I do? And you know what? All you have to do is what's reasonable for you to do. And then you kind of say, you know what? God's got this. And it's kind of like, I know, um, you know, you know, we know that you know that you know when we had all the quarantine during COVID, everyone was stuck in their houses. It was a very challenging time, and for everyone. But you know, when you saw there were some people who were able to handle it better, because at a certain point, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. We don't really know what to do. So you do the you do what's prudent to do, and then after that, if God, whatever God wants to happen, is going to happen. And, and, and that is a much, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a good way to go in life. It's a, also a good way how to deal with other people. Because a lot of times you think, you know, you, well, I can't please the person. I can't, you know what? Here you see, you know what? You, 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 you try, you prepare for the worst, and then trust in God. So that's a, a three-point plan uh, how to um, deal with, with people, deal with life. Okay, now in chapter 33, verse 18, we have the encounter. So there's the lead up, and here they're actually, uh, they meet up. What happens? It says, uh, they kind of, they, they somehow, thank God, they, there was no, there was no, there wasn't a confrontation. And it says that Yaakov went to the city called, Sorry, he went to the city of Shechem, which unfortunately is not a very safe place for a Jewish person today. Do not go there. Um, uh, and it says he went to the city of Shechem, and he um, it says by Yichan he encamped before the city. So the Talmud says on this verse that he took up residence, at least temporary residence in the city, and he did things to help the welfare of the city. And the Talmud has different opinions. Some says he created a currency. Some say he created markets. Some say he created bathhouses. And the Medrash says, you learn from here that when you are benefiting from somewhere, it could be a host, it could be a community, it could be a city, it could be a country. Obviously, there's the micro and the macro, and there's different levels. But there is the appropriate thing to do is to show your gratitude by doing something for the people there. 
Uh, and it's a basic, what they call being a mensch. Derek Harris, you know, you go to someone's house. You know, we host a lot of people. And uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't expect anything from anyone. But there are some people who come and, you know, they really kind of expect you to wait on them, you know, uh, you know, uh, like I was their servant. And some people come and they, and they, 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 they see when it's appropriate to do little things like helping, you know, maybe the meal's over, uh, maybe help clean up a little bit, maybe, uh, you know, again, I'm not telling anyone what to do. We, we, we don't, we don't think about it, but from our perspective, um, you know, we have to realize that we need to show gratitude. Uh, you know, that's why a lot of times people, you know, if they visit a synagogue, they'll make a small donation. People, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just, I, we, we, it's actually very nice. In the summer, a lot of people, Jewish tourists come through Providence. And uh, a lot of them, they'll say, oh, you know, I want to make a donation to the local synagogue. I want to make a donation to the local Jewish organizations. You know, they feel they were here for a week. They, they appreciate the hospitality, um, and that, that's something that we learn from Yaakov. As we say, common sense is not always so common. So, what's next? Chapter 20, 32, verse 29 says, the famous struggle. So the story was that um, the Yaakov crossed a river with his family, and he realized he left some stuff on the other side. He goes back by himself, and he encounters what the commentators tell us is Esau's angel. And he fights all night with Esau's angel. It was an epic fight. It was supposed to be a fight of the ages, like in Star Wars. It was like a real, this was like the fight. And they struggle all night. And Yaakov ends up winning the fight, although Asaph does hurt him a little. Asaph's angel does hurt him a little bit. <laughs> but what happens at the end of this fight? They fight all morning, all that all night. And then it says the angel Yaakov has the angel in a hold, whatever that means. And the angel says, I have to leave. And Yaakov says, I'm not gonna let you leave until you bless me. And then the angel says to, to Yaakov, what's your name? And he says, Yaakov. And then Yaakov does something interesting. He says to the angel, what's your name? And the angel answers back, why do you ask me my name? And he never answers the question. So we'll focus on that in a second. But then Jacob calls the name of the place i'm sorry the angel calls yaakov he gives him the name yisrael israel is from this week's torah portion he actually the name israel yaakov got the name israel yisrael from asav's angel and what what does yisrael mean says the, the 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 verse it says yisrael means that you fought with god and with people and you overcame what does that mean? So I saw an explanation that it means that Jacob struggled, spiritual struggles. That's what it means. He fought with God and he fought with people. He actually fought with his brother Asa. 
Now, it's interesting, the way it typically would be, it would list the harder challenge second. But it lists the spiritual challenges before challenges with other people, which is very insightful because this means that spiritual challenges are easier than challenges with dealing with other people. And many people say, hey, you know, you know, it's hard to be an observant Jew, it's hard to be spiritual, but yet every human being on the planet struggle, deals head on with their challenges of dealing with other people. And the Torah is telling us if you can deal with other people, God is a God is a is a walk in the park. And it's really true. Because God, he understands, he's very reasonable, he loves us, he doesn't expect us to do more than we can, and people are not always that way. And that is, I guess, on the one hand, it's maybe a little bit can push us to maybe uh, work on our spiritual stuff, it can inspire us to do that, because if we know we can deal with other people, and we put in the energy for that, well, dealing with God's easier. But on the other hand, we have to give it the attention. A lot of times, especially, you know, say, let's say someone is very, um, say someone's a very observant Jew. They keep kosher and they keep Shabbos and they do all, they study Torah and they pray and they, so sometimes, unfortunately, you can get, you know, laser focused on the rituals and forget that you got to put just as much work into getting along with people. And that's what God wants. It's actually part of being a quote-unquote observant Jew is dealing with other people appropriately. It's it, it it's 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 not like there's well I deal with people and I and I and I'm an observant Jew. No, part of being an observant Jew is how you deal with people, and um, that's just uh, a lot of times you forget that. Sometimes we'll say, oh, well, you know. Uh, you know, I, I got to keep kosher. And you made up, you might insult someone while you're keeping kosher. Now, I'm not saying that you should not keep kosher. I'm saying that while you're keeping kosher, make sure you realize it's just as important how you make someone else feel. Uh, and that's a big, not an easy thing to do. But we see from here that it, that it is not easy. It's just not easy. And uh, it needs our attention. And... Um, this does. Okay. Now, this is amazing. So, we have the story, which is very hard to understand the story of Dina. Dina, just to give you the basic storyline. So, Yaakov and his family live in the city of Shrem. Yaakov's daughter, Dina, walks around the city. And she gets kidnapped. Unfortunately, she actually gets raped by the prince of the city. And they and they capture her. And her two brothers, Ruvain and Shimon, no, sorry, Shimon and Levi hear about this, and they devise a plan, and they actually kill the whole city. <laughs> they kill, they, they wipe out the city. And... Um, 
and Yaakov confronts them. Their father is not so happy about this. He's like, why'd you kill the whole city? Now people are going to attack us. They're going to think that they know that we're, we're, we're dangerous people to have around. And they tell Yaakov, they said, what do you want us to do? They think they could just take our, our women and, 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 and treat them like that? We have to show them. We don't mess with the Jews. And Yaakov does not respond. Which basically the commentators say that they were actually right. They were doing this. They, they, they you know, it's complicated, the whole story. But essentially the way the storyline comes out is that the whole city was really responsible for this. This was an attitude that they had. They had an attitude that they could just pick up Jewish girls and, 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 and be inappropriate with them. And the, the, the response was, to some degree, um, right. You know, there, are th- there is a time in life when you're not supposed to be tolerant. You're not supposed to be tolerant when people are getting hurt and raped, God forbid. I mean, there is a time in life. As wonderful as Judaism is, there, there is a time. And Yaakov didn't disagree with that. But so, but why was Yaakov upset? Should Yaakov should if Yaakov really believed they were right, then why didn't he call the men and say, "Sons, good job." He doesn't say good job. He asked them, "Why did you do it?" And they answered, and he doesn't respond. So there's a little. It's a little complicated. So, I saw that. The answer is like this, and this is really, really a little bit sophisticated, but life is sophisticated. They did the right thing. The result that that they needed to have a strong, swift response was correct. But Yaakov pointed out to them, he said, you know what? You happen to have gotten it right, but that was by mistake. You were impulsive. You didn't, you didn't get advice. You didn't, we weren't pragmatic. Now you happen to have gotten it right, but you went about it wrong. Now you're lucky that God, God was watching your back and you ended up happened to do the right thing. But you, you need to learn for the future that you may not be so lucky next time. And really you're wrong because you went about it in the wrong way. And even though you ended up being right in what you did, but you were wrong in how you went about it. And that is a very, a little bit of a high level, but really what is what, what we need to do in life, right? Let's say I know I have a friend or a family member who wants me to do something or not to do something, and I don't really care. And I happen to get it right by accident. That's not very good. So, so um, we, we, and we're, we're expected to not only get it right, but to go about things in the right way. And we all know that. You know, let's say um, you ask someone, you know what, can you, uh, can you go to the store and get something for me? And they end up doing it in a way that you don't appreciate the way they did it. And then they'll say, hey, look, I did what you wanted. And you'll say, come on, I know you did what I wanted, but you didn't do it how I wanted to. There's so much in relationships. It's about how you do it not necessarily even the results. A lot of times you can have someone, and you see this. Sometimes you can see, like, let's say, let's say you have a child who's spoiled. The child who gets everything they want, but they don't feel close to their parents because they don't 
they got what they wanted, but they know it didn't take much effort on their parents' part, let's say. And you can have another child who gets much, much less, but he knows that his parents or her parents do their best. So sometimes you can have that the child who gets much less in a relationship also. You can have, say you have a spouse, right? You can have someone who's very articulate and really good with their words. And they, you know, they say they tell their spouse they love them and they're the amazing and all these waxing poetic and you could have someone, let's say, who's not as articulate, who just gives a very nice, simple compliment, and that can mean a lot more. So Judaism, we're very, very focused on process. Process is very important, not just results. So now let's think about this story. What happened with Dina? Rashi says, Vatetse Dina. She went to the out. Rashi points out that she, again, she totally, the, the kidnapper was totally inappropriate, but she was in a not good place. She shouldn't have been where she was. Now, it's like, God forbid, let's say someone goes to a bad neighborhood and they get their car stolen. Like, the person shouldn't have stole your car, but if you don't want to get your car stolen, maybe you shouldn't go to that neighborhood. And the Torah points out here that Dina was somewhere she shouldn't have been. And Rashi says, where did she learn this behavior from? She learned it from her mother, Leah. And without getting into it, there was a place that Leah wasn't supposed to be. It was inappropriate. And, her, and Rashi points out, and this is what I, the point I want to bring out, is that her, her mother is faulted for what this daughter did because the daughter learned from the mother. And this is something that is not just applied to parents and children. It applies to all of us. We are responsible for what people learn from us or they get encouraged by us to do. So let's say you're in synagogue and everyone's trying to focus on the prayer. And one person starts to talk. Well, that makes it easier for the next person to talk. Now, I'm not saying people are horrible if they talk. It happens. That's what, you know, we're not, we're not doing glooming judgmental here. But the reality is the first person to talk makes it easier for the next person to talk. And if, God forbid, you're in a situation and someone starts making fun of someone in a nice little joke, it makes it easier for the next person to make a nice little joke. And we are responsible if we do anything that affects someone else, it goes in both directions. If we do positive, we get credited for that too. If we do negative things, and that's what we learn from here, that Dina is this behavior that she did, that being somewhere she shouldn't have been, um, was learned from her mother, and, and we learned from that. Now this, I mean, you'll probably see this in my email, if you read my emails. Um, but so we got this encounter. Yaakov says to the angel, what's your name? And the angel doesn't respond. So I saw a great explanation from Rabbi Keller, and he says, what's Esau's angel represent? Esau's angel represents, for all of history, the Yetzirah. What's the Yetzirah? Yetzirah is 
what pulls us to do the wrong thing. Now, Yaakov understood that this was the mastermind of getting the Jews to sin. So he asked the angel, what's your name? What's your essence? I want to tell my kids and grandkids what you're made of so they can deal with you. And he doesn't answer what his name is. You know why? Because he says, it won't help. I am always there to challenge you. That's my job. So what's, whatever you figure out about me, I'm going to do something else. It's like a GPS. There's nowhere that a human being can turn to get away from challenges. Life is challenges. It just is. Now, you're not required to cause the challenges. We say God will send them to you. But there's no way a person can say, you know, ah, I've got it all figured out. No more challenges for me. No. You may have figured out how to deal with this challenge, but then the next challenge is going to come. So one time someone said to me, you know, so, you know, you're an Orthodox rabbi. You know, life for you must be so simple. You know how to keep kosher. You know how to keep Shabbos. You know how to pray. Life must be so simple for you, Rabbi. And I said, you know what? Anyone has the same amount of challenges. I have different challenges than you do. We all have the same amount of challenges. Now, I may have figured out how to keep Shabbos, and you may have not figured that out yet. But I have a different challenge that you're not struggling with. And that was what the angel was telling Yaakov. He said, life is not a free lunch. And relationships are not free lunch. You know, someone, you know, someone when they first get married, sometimes they could think, hey, you know, or they first start really having adult friends. They could think like, hey, you know what? I got this all figured out. And everyone knows if you have friends or family that you're close to for a long time, if you want to stay close, you got to keep working your entire life. May, you may not be struggling with the same things. You know, thank God, almost married 20 years. I know you think, how could someone as young as me be married almost 20 years? But, um, but uh, you know, we have, thank God our marriage is working. And I, hopefully we're not dealing with the things that we dealt with 19 years ago. But now we have new things. When we first got married, we didn't have teenagers. Now we have four. You know, that's... Uh, you know, there's you know, there's a lot to there's a lot to disagree with about that, right? <laughs> so uh, there's not much to disagree with about when the baby is crying in the middle of the night. It's just who gets up. It's pretty simple, right? But uh, when you have four teenagers all up in the middle of the night, it's much more complicated. Uh, it's not about who's getting up with them. It's about where are they, anyway. So okay, let's move along here. Thank you. I, I have wonderful kids. Um, Maybe we have another idea or two. Okay, beginning of the story. Yaakov is expecting his brother with this, with this uh, militia. Yaakov talks to God about it, which is a good suggestion. Whenever you have a problem, talk to God about it. But what, is, what, what does Yaakov say to God? He says, Katonti mikol hachasadim. I am small. I am humbled. God, you've given me so much. I don't take anything for granted. And now you've been so good to me all these years. I'm concerned maybe I've used up all my merits. And now I don't take it for granted that you're going to come and save me from my brother. 
and we learn from here the proper attitude to have in life. Um, that don't take anything for granted. You know, the worst feeling that 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 messes up so many friendships and uh, and professional relationships and certainly family relationships is when people feel taken for granted. Most of us can can deal with a lot. We can tolerate a lot if we feel appreciated. And sometimes you're in a situation with a friend or a family member and you wonder, you know, things are just aren't going well. We keep disagreeing. We keep just not being happy or I'm not getting the friends I want to get. Why is that person not being friendly to me? And sometimes it's very complicated if you try to deal with it head on. But we learn from here a, a, a way to come in through the back door that will kind of smooth out any situation is show that person that you appreciate them and you don't take them for granted. And then all of a sudden that person who seems to be so irritable might just stop being so irritable because you kind of put some oil on, right? They say, was it the, uh, the squeaky, uh, the squeaky, uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? So if someone just needs to feel appreciated, they do a lot. If they don't get appreciated, they do a lot of squeaking. As soon as you put the oil on, you give them that appreciation. You show them that you don't take them for granted. All the other issues that have been bothering them can often just, uh, just fall to, to, to the wayside. And that's something we learned from Yaakov, that Yaakov did not take God um, for, for granted. Okay, one more idea. This is, this is just really a similar idea, but it, it, it really brings it home. So here is the face-off. Yaakov and Esav finally meet. It's been 20 years. Esav has been trying to kill his brother for 20 years. They meet, and they're waiting for some big face-off, and it doesn't happen. They have an, an exchange. Yaakov says to Esav, how you been? And Esav says, life's good. I have a lot. Yesh li rov. I got a lot of good stuff. What does Jacob say? He doesn't say I have a lot of good stuff. He says, yesh li kol. I have everything. Esav says, life's good. I got a lot of good stuff. Yaakov says, I have everything. And that is the difference between Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov is completely accepting of whatever he has. He's like, look, I accept my clock. I accept my, my family. I accept my, my challenges. I have everything I need. When a person feels they have everything they need, they're happy. And happy people just love other people. Asav didn't always felt like he needed a little more. He didn't quite have everything that he needed. And that is one of the biggest tools that certainly we can give children, but for ourselves to get by in life. If we just, you know, we're happy with what we have, we realize if it could be if it could be better, it would be better. And that's what we learned from Yaakov that our attitude should be, yesh li kol. 
I have everything I need. So let's do a quick review. We talked about that when you visit somewhere or you receive from someone else, you should be appreciative and give back whatever way you can. We learned how it's harder to deal with people than with God. It requires a lot of work. We learned that the process is really important. It's not just about um, not just about the results. Yeah, results, sometimes you might luck out and get them right. But it's really important, the process. We learned about how a person influences other people. And you're responsible for that, for the good and the bad. You learned about how you can't, you can't, there's no, there's no shortcuts. Life is full of challenges. And when you figure out one, there's the next one. So we got to just buyer beware to, to not think, oh, we figured it out. And then that's it. If someone thinks that in a relationship, they're done because people are complicated. There's always new things. We learned from Jacob how to deal with life. You first, you have a fight, you try to calm the situation, you give presence, whatever that means. Then you deal with the possibility of, of war, and then you pray. And the idea is you can expect God to help you only if you do your you do your your part. And then I was not expect from God, but you can you can count on God and to to, to, to help you. We talked about not taking people for granted. And we lastly we talked about the proper attitude that a person should feel like they ha they have everything they need. If you have everything you need, you know there's so much. You know, someone was asking me once. I uh, just had this. Uh, you know, I, I deal. I uh, interact. A lot of my rabbinical uh, responsibilities are with people who are single in the dating world. Twenties, uh, thirties. Not saying you can't be dating if you're older. But uh, those are the people who, who uh, I'm interacting with a lot. And this guy said to me, he was on the verge, you know, deciding whether he should get engaged or not. He says, you know, he says, how am I, how do I know if I'm not going to find someone better? So I said, you will for sure find someone better. There's no question. If you think your wife's, your fiance is gorgeous, you'll find someone prettier. You find someone you, you think she's nice, you'll find someone who's nicer. There's nothing about the person you found that you're for sure going to find someone who's better than her at this thing. So he's like, well, how can I ever get married then? I'm not. How, how am I going to be happy if I find someone, when I find someone who's nicer than my wife, who's prettier than my wife, who's more generous than my wife? I said, you know how it's going to work? you're not going to look anywhere else. When you make a decision to marry this person, either way, it needs to be that this is the person, this is the right person for me. And if you keep looking elsewhere, if you don't feel that you have what you need, you're not trusting God. You know, God, you know me. You know what I need. And Jewish tradition says when you marry someone, that's the attitude you're supposed to have. But it's not just about marriage. It's about life. You know, if whatever deck of cards you have, you have this job, you have this life situation, this financial situation, the situation you're in is the one that, that that's best for you. And if you keep looking at other people's 
they say, uh, there's a funny story. I'll end off with this. So there was two guys who were in the, uh, let's say it was the, um, in the silver business. And one guy store was so successful. And the other guy's store was a failure. So one day, the, uh, the one that was a failure decided, I'm going to have to do something rash. He goes in the middle of the night, and he breaks into the silver guy, his competitor's store, and trashes the store. He got caught. He goes to his competitor. He says, I'm sorry. I just was so frustrated. But I have a question for you. Why are you so successful and I'm not? And his friend said, you know why? Because I'm trying to run one business. You're paying attention to two businesses, yours and mine. If you focus on your business, then you'll be successful too. And that's the best advice we can have in life. We're always going to, if we keep looking elsewhere, then maybe I'll be, if I did this, I'll be happy. If I went that, I'll be happy. If I, that person was my friend, that person was my, was my, my, my partner, then you're never going to be happy. That's not the way we're, that's, and this is one, this is, this is our challenge. And that's why Judaism is so full of advice of just being inner focused, inner focused. It's not about Sometimes people people uh, don't understand, and they think Judaism is being so restricting, and 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 not and not trusting. And it's actually very smart. We say don't don't be looking around. You're not going to end up being happy. So have a great Shabbos, love your neighbor, and uh, thanks for coming on. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thank you.